Hey everyone, this is your host, Michael Payan with American Grass-Fed Association. I want to thank all of you for tuning in as we dive into our producer profiles, putting our AGA certified producers in the spotlight. This month, let's take a closer look at Griffin Ranch in Arizona. Carol, so can you start off by just telling me a little bit about the history of Griffin Ranch? Well, Griffin Ranch, we actually started up in Washington State. Uh, and we started because of a sort of a strange inventory issue. Uh, we purchased an additional acreage that was contiguous to our farm up there, and it was a hay farm. So we had to hay off all the bad stuff that was in that backfield. And then the next year when we hayed again, uh, we still had all that stuff from the backfield from the previous year. So when you're in the hay business, you got one or two choices. You either pull it all out of the barn and burn it, or you find something to eat it. And so a friend of mine said, you know, you really should think about Highland cattle because she called them stupid proof. You can be pretty stupid and still do pretty well with Highlands. And they eat pretty much everything because they eat um, both grays and brows, which was a funny thing when the first American grassland inspector came out. And so they graze and browse. So they did real well on that, that old hay. And we thought, oh, good idea. We'll buy two steers, one for us to eat and one to sell. Well, and long story short, within about a year and a half, we had 10 Highlands. And so then that sort of got us into the beef business. And uh, so that's what got us started. And then my husband's health deteriorated in Washington. So six years ago, we picked up the whole operation and moved it down here to Arizona. So that was a whole different world to get into uh, when we moved to Arizona. Everything that we knew about cattle and beef and all that was different down here. So we had to relearn everything. It took us a couple of years to figure that out. Uh, so that's that's our history. So we moved the name with us from Washington and uh, but we're now based here in the Pinal Mountains uh, in uh, Southeastern Arizona. So you started off looking for something to eat your hay and ended up with a full out cattle business. That is just- amazing. Yeah, we now, have, uh, we now have 48 head of cattle. Wow. Um, yeah, so we are we are actually the largest. Um, we are actually the only, uh, which makes us the largest commercial Highland breeder in Arizona. We're it. People come out just to see the cattle because they're so unique. So what is so is this meat distinctive with the Highland cattle? Is Very distinctive. Very distinctive. It's uh, it tastes a lot like buffalo or bison, but the advantage that you have is Highlands are still considered domestic. Because if you have buffler or bison, you got to have like eight or 10 foot fences. But the highlands are very calm, very sweet, and they both graze and browse. So they have fit real well into Arizona because where we're at, uh, the land is sort of useless for pretty much anything else. So, but the highlands are doing real well here. So, so yeah, the meat, is, uh, the meat is very distinctive. It's very, very dark in color. And it tastes like, like I said, like bison or buffalo. What is the difference between your grass-fed, grass-finished Highland cattle and someone going to the store and buying the, their typical store-bought beef? Huh. I always tell people, I said, on a scale of one to 10, McDonald's beef is a one, uh, regular grass-fed beef is an eight, and Highland beef is a 10. Uh, so the big difference that we talk to them about is that Highland is a breed, they are higher in protein about 13% higher in protein and about 22% lower in fat and cholesterol than other grass-fed beef. So, you know, I always tell people when you go to the store, number one, you don't know where that beef came from. Even if it's labeled grass-fed, you don't know where it came from and you don't know if it was grass-finished. And so people are, are, our customers are becoming much more aware 
of the difference between grass-fed and grass-finished. And with the pandemic, they've really realized where their meat's coming from or not coming from, you know, because they removed the country of origin labeling on meat and uh, chicken. So, you know, and seafood. So now when you go to the store, you have no idea where it came from. So I, that was something I was going to get into. I mean, what what is the true difference between these two? So like when you end up, you know, green finishing cattle or whether you're going grass-fed from the entire the entire process. Yeah, some an animal that's just grass-fed is an animal that at some time in its life, it walked on grass. It could be in a very short period of time. It could have been one month that it walked on grass. But what we position as grass-fed and grass-finished means that that animal has only eaten grass and forage for its entire lifespan, which is why it takes us almost three years to finish a highland. Uh, and as I tell people in the grocery store, those animals that you're eating from the grocery store are probably about eight or nine months old because what they do is they take them very young from the ranchers, and then they take them to a finishing feedlot where they're fed GMO corn and grains, and then they're given antibiotics to counter the effect of the fact that they're, you know, they're packed in there so close. And then also cattle are not genetically programmed to eat corn and grain. It upsets their stomach. So you have to be really careful when you feed them. And so what they do is if they get sick, you know, then they have to give them all the, the drugs and the antibiotics and all that because they'll founder. Uh, more than once, we've been butchering cattle out here and had our butcher called emergency where somebody says, you got to come and kill the steer right now because uh, he's he's bloating. And, you know, I asked, always ask the butcher and say, grain finished, huh? And he says, yep, gave him too much grain too fast. So much higher risk of bloating the cow. But the good news is it finishes up the beef a lot faster and it puts more fat in the meat, uh, which of course is poundages that they get to charge for. So grass-fed meat and grass-finished is much leaner. It's much healthier for you. Uh, and there's none of the GMOs that are in it that are out there. You know, there's none of the drugs. There's none of the, you know, all that other stuff that's that's in there in the commercial process. So that's why we really jumped on board with American grass-fed. What are the implications of cheap meat then? If you're making this decision as a consumer, it's not healthy for you. You know, it's it's full of stuff that you don't want to put in your body. So that's why the customers that we target are people that really care about what they're going to put in their body more. The biggest comment we get from our customers is, I've gotten to a point in my life where I would rather eat less beef, but quality beef, than I would eat more. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the market that we go after. You know, it's a healthier beef. You know, when you look at everything that they say about meat, all the negatives about it is all about the, the extra chemicals and high fat and all that. And that's where, you know, you look at the government and how they rank beef. And like the ultimate beef is the one that's got all this fat in it. And then the only way you can get that is by grain finishing. And on here, here's the healthier meat that's the leaner meat. But if you had it scaled on a USDA scale, it would come out looking really terrible. So it's an interesting thing is that our, you know, the federal government doesn't define grass-fed, grass-finished. They don't define in their definition of beef. The ultimate grade is the one that's the absolute worst for you. And then they tell you not to eat it, you know, like in the Green New Deal, they tell you, you know, we're going to get rid of, we're going to get rid of all the cows because they fart, you know, and you're like, really, you know, <laughs> you know, it's uh, the positive nature of an animal that's out on pasture. You know, I just think of the thousands of acres that could have been saved in California had those forests been taken care of correctly, you know, with grazing cattle, because like the highlands out here, we brought them to Arizona. And they cleared out all the non-native uh, species of grasses, the ones that burn fast. Our insurance agent came down the road. We just switched insurance. And he says, 
man, you guys have done a good job of getting rid of the flammable stuff. And I said, not us, it was the Highlands. So when, when land is properly managed with cattle, with grazing cattle, they've got an incredible benefit to the environment. So what, what all do the cattle do for your land? I know it's not just clear flammable brush. I mean, that's new to me. I didn't know that that was something that they, were, they could do. Yeah, a lot here in Arizona, we worry about that. The closest fires that got to us were only a couple miles away. So we worry about flammable brush. But the other thing they do too, is because of the way their foot is, uh, uh, is put together, is that actually where they walk, they take the manure and they push it into the soil. So they actually recover the soils. And in fact, and I'll send you a picture if you're interested in it, out here in, I live, uh, the next closest city to me is Globe, Arizona. Globe like the world, G-L-O-B-E. And there's a mine, here, we are, we're biggest copper mine in the country. But what they did is they used cattle on the side of the tailings, which is the stuff that comes off at the end of the copper process, to restore the soil on top of that. Because it used to be before they put the cattle on the hill, you couldn't see in globe because of the sun, with, because of the dust storms. And now because of the cattle on the hill, they've restored the habitat. And now there's no more dust in globe. So very creative. But they've got this small group of cattle. I'll send you a picture. You'll, get, you'll just laugh yourself silly because here's this real steep slope, and here's these cattle up there, and they feed them. They're grass fed, and and uh, they feed them hay every day. And that their job is to stand up there, eat the hay, poop, and push it into the ground, and they restore the the soils. See, see, I think that's that's something that's really interesting. Is like you know that was the way. That it's uh, Carrie was talking about, about this, our executive director at American Grass Fed. She was talking to me about how like we don't want to push that regenerative ag is this new, this new brand new technology. This is the way it's been done for years and years. This is the way that the plant is naturally regained and, and regenerated itself. And we need to get back to that. Absolutely. And that's that's what's been prevented in California, is the guys that are in charge of the national forests out there have prevented the cattlemen from doing what they need to do. You know, to do small backburns, to do, you know, put cattle in some certain areas, you know, and you either manage it, graze it, or watch it burn. And that's what we've seen this year. And somehow they think that's better for the environment and with all those animals that were burnt. And, you know, I just, I don't understand, you know, and all the stuff that went into the environment, you know, but that's, that's basically the rule is, you know, manage it, graze it, or watch it burn. And we've watched it burn. Well, looking at your site, I see like even the cattle have names. Like these animals are obviously very special to you. Like you guys have a relationship. Yeah. Um, it's one that you know. It's what does it mean to you to raise these animals in that way? That they're so that they're they have names and everything. You're obviously respecting the animal, the land, ultimately all of us by respecting the earth. I mean, what does that mean to you? Well, and it was funny. We went to a party. Our our butcher had his birthday surprise birthday party. We were there. And we got invited and there was a lot of people there that we didn't know. And, uh, and it was funny, they'd say, oh, those are the guys with the Highlands. And they're like, oh, you're the people that use so much of the animal. And, and I thought, you know, that's a reputation I like to have because we use so much of the animal. You know, we use the feet, we use the lungs, we use the spleen, we use the trachea, we use everything that pretty much comes out of the inside. There's maybe about two buckets of entrails that we don't use. Uh, so, because we think that respects the animal. Uh, we carry the American grass-fed certification. We also carry humanely raised and handled. So our guys are never put on a trailer and sent to a USDA plant. And that's, you know, we think that's really important because we think that they should have an absolutely incredible life right up to that point where 
it's a sudden shot to the head and they're down, they're dead. And that's very different than commercial slaughter. So yeah, we think it's really important. And we think it shows in the quality of the beef that people know that those animals were well cared for, they're calm. Um, I just had somebody pick up a head, you know, because the Mexicans eat the head, they call it cabeza. And I said, make sure you wash out the mouth. It's still got grass in its tongue. And he's like, okay, you know, because we shoot them when they're having breakfast. I mean, they're just sitting there chewing their breakfast and boom, all of a sudden they're down. So we think it's important. Uh, and the thing is too, is that the, we've only allowed our fold to get as big as what my husband and I can handle. So there are no workers here. So our animals know us and we know them and they each have a name. You know, we know who their mom is and, you know, we can track that attitude and personality. And, you know, so that's what we breed for. It's part of what we breed for temperament. That's amazing. Um, so why should- Honestly, it makes some people nervous. We had some people here yesterday and they were, it was right when the cattle came in to be fed because we feed alfalfa as an as a augment. And they're a little nervous to be surrounded by, you know, 40 plus animals with those huge horns. And they're like, are, are we okay? It's like, yeah, you're fine. They're, they're not going to attack us. No, they're fine. You know, because they just, they don't get out of the way. I mean, they're just like, yeah, go ahead, make my day. They don't move, you know, because it's like, this is our place. Because understand where you live, where you live, um, cattle are in fences. Okay. In Arizona, it's reversed. People are in fences. Cattle are outside. So the cattle can roam wherever they want to roam. So Arizona is what's called a fence out state. So if you don't want cattle, you have to fence out your yard. It, and uh, yeah, it's, it's opposite to pretty much everywhere else in the country. They get to roam wherever they want to go. That's incredible. That's it's, I would love to come out and see the farm sometime when all this crazy COVID stuff comes slows down because I'm sure I'll be with American Grassfed for a while. So I'll come out and get some. Well, I, I, you've got a good mission there. That you're welcome anytime you want to come out. It's really there's something to see. Very, very cool. So and this leads me to my next question. You, immediately upon emailing you, you told me you know we want our consumers to come and see how we raise our beef. We we we. Exactly. Uh, why is that so important to you? Well, it's important to us because we want to have an educated consumer. There's been so much misinformation out there with the Green New Deal and the politicians, you know, spreading a lot of misinformation and downright lies about cattle that we like to bring them out and say, here they are, this is what we do. And then the other thing that we do is we actually walk them into our barn and we say, okay, what do you see here? That's what we feed. You know, that you're looking at grade A alfalfa. You're looking at you know, grade A Bermuda, you're, you know, you're looking at absolutely, you know, top grade stuff that normally people would feed horses and we feed it to our cattle. And the barn just got this beautiful smell, sweet smell of grass when you walk into it. And they see the cattle. I mean, they see the cattle free out on the range. They, you know, they see them wandering. They see them, you know, doing what cattle are supposed to do. You know, they breed naturally, they roam naturally. Uh, you know, they have a great life right till that last split second. So we want our consumer to be educated. We want them to feel proud about the product they're buying, not just because it's superior in flavor, but because they're supporting local families. And it really hit me when we changed butchers. Our new butcher's only 40 minutes from our place. You know, and now we explain to people how by feeding their family, how many Gila County families they're feeding. You know, the butcher and the guys that help him. And, you know, so it's, there's a lot of families dependent on that half of beef. And so people feel really good about that. There's a real move to support small businesses because they've been so badly affected by the pandemic. 
and that's something I, I mean, I come from, I mean, this, this, a lot, a lot of this focuses on beef with American grass fed, but I come from a group that used to focus on a lot of poultry issues, you know, and one of the biggest, yeah. if you're an independent grower is that you don't even have somebody to come to, to process your meat. You can only, you know, you can take it to this USDA facility, but if you want someone to do large scale processing near you, I mean, you're yeah. out of, because there's no one supporting them like you guys that can give them that. Well, and this butcher that we got just got his license. He'd been building his butcher shop. That has always been his dream was to have his own butcher shop. And his His intention was in a few years he would retire from his job and you know he'd just do full-time butchering well it came out a whole lot faster he's a very he's the nephew of a very good friend of mine and uh i kept pushing her and said is he licensed yet is he licensed yet is he licensed yet and then she finally says he's licensed and uh you know and we were his first customer i mean all of a sudden i said i'm backlogged i got 10 steer you know and we just started knocking them out every week and his business has exploded, absolutely exploded because he does really quality work. And he's now starting to hire the other ranchers because here's some of the thing that's interesting. At a time when beef demand is up, prices are up higher than ever before. The prices that the packing houses are getting are higher than ever before. The commodity price, which is the price that the rancher gets lower than it ever has been. Because you got here, you got out ranchers that can't even sell their beef for what it cost them to raise it. So what we've done is because we now have this capacity, which we did not have before June, this is all new in June, this guy got licensed and he ended up, he quit his job. I talked to his boss. He says, you know, he says, I always knew he was going to, you know, be a butcher, but I didn't realize it was going to be quite that fast. And he said, and I think I have you to blame. And I said, well, yeah, kind of. We reached out to our late neighboring ranchers that also do grass fed, grass finish. And uh, we've been buying their steers at a, at higher than market price we've been paying a fair price for the steers not market price but a fair price and so we're paying anywhere from 50 to 75 percent higher than what market price is right now so these ranchers can survive so that's what i mean is you think about that direct sale half beef how many families now depend on that sale you know because the beef prices are just down so low for the rancher for the consumer it's higher than ever and plus consumers are afraid they're not going to be able to get beef because they saw what happened in March and April in this country where you went in, there was no meat, there was no produce, there was no dairy. And so what we've got now is that, you know, they're realizing they like the meat, they like the fact that we're certified American grass fed and grass finished. And what they know, what we've done with them now is to say, okay, well, they're saying, I don't have a big freezer. I said, that's okay, no problem. We'll deliver a quarter to you every calendar quarter or twice a year, whatever your freezer fits. And they're like, wow, now I know I don't ever have to worry about beef again. And then for us, we know we've got the, the order backlog that the ranchers can depend on, we can depend on, the butcher can depend on for a stable, you know, a stable revenue stream. Wow. You, I mean, so my only question is how can we get, how can I get your beef? Uh, unfortunately, I can't sell it to you. I can't cross a straight line. Wow, so only That's the bad part. Yeah, because we're we're not USDA certified, so I can't sell to a restaurant. And I can't cross state lines, so we are Arizona only. Wow. Okay. Well, cool. So come I'm on, gonna... visit us. Come and visit us, and I'll give you some frozen stuff to take home in your suitcase. That's a deal. That's a deal. Um, 
I'm going to make sure that I tell people where they can get your beef that are in Arizona, at least. Um, can you tell us a little more about that process if you are someone that's in Arizona? Yeah, we, we sell direct. The best way to get to us is through our website and it's griffinranch.com, spelled the old English way, G-R-Y-P-H-O-N-R-A-N-C-H. And um, so that's the best way to reach us. And then we take reservations because we actually kill to order. Because we're not USDA certified, which is part of our humanely raised and handled because of the way we kill our cattle, uh, we have to sell by the quarter, half, or full steer. We're not allowed to sell by the cut. So I have other ranchers that do sell by the cut, but uh, but we can only sell by the quarter, half, and full because of the way we process our meat. So they're actually butchered here at the ranch. So they never leave. I mean, when they leave the ranch, they, they leave in quarters in a refrigerated trailer. Wow. So you guys have set up your own little processing thing there, which is just, you're in, and you got guys process all the meat yourself then? Or like you-, you No, have, we have a licensed butcher. We have a licensed butcher. We help the butcher slaughter. And then it's quartered. And the problem was, is when we switched butchers, our old butcher, but he can only do two a month. He had his refrigerated trailer. Well, we needed to be able to get the meat chilled fast and to the new butcher. And he did not have a refrigerated trailer. So here in the middle of the pandemic, we're making a huge investment in this refrigerated trailer that my husband built uh, to be able to chill the beef and, uh, you know, and take it over to the butcher's place. And he's got a full, uh, full butcher shop. Yeah, I can send you some pictures. It's really amazing. You would you wouldn't think that you'd find this in Little Gila County. And and dry aging, right? I read something about dry aging. Yeah, we dry age. We don't wet age, which is a very common thing. Again, it's that acceleration because the beef you buy in the grocery store has been has been um, feedlot finished. You know, you don't know if it's getting antibiotics in it. You don't know what it's eaten. You don't know where it came from. You don't know if it came from China. I mean, some of our beef is coming in from China. And, uh, and then, you know, they, it may, they may cut it at the store, but you have no idea where that, how old that animal was. And what they do is they put it in plastic bags with chemicals to uh, soften the meat. And uh, that's called wet aging. Now a fine steak, a fine steak restaurant, you'll see dry age. And a lot of times you'll see seven day dry age and we dry age for 14 days, which is like the finest steakhouses is how you get that is a 14 day dry age. And that's just standard for our customers. That's, that's what they, that's what people deserve. That's, that's absolutely amazing. Um, well, it's quality beef. I tell people when they come out to see us, and I said, if you're looking for cheap beef, if you're looking to save money over what you can pay in the grocery store, I'm not your supplier. I, that's, that's not what we do. If you want quality beef and we guarantee our meat, uh, if somebody doesn't like the flavor, they don't like the cut, they call us up, we drive over, we pick it up and we give them their money back. Yeah. We've only ever had that happen twice. And that one was because the, the beef was cut incorrectly and that was our old butcher, which is one of the reasons why he's our old butcher. And one was, was because the mom called us and she said, my kids won't eat it because it doesn't taste like McDonald's. And I said, I will gladly come pick up the rest because hallelujah, our beef should not taste like McDonald's. Oh yeah, so one more thing. So what, what is it like getting American grass-fed certified? Like, what do you have to do to do that? Can you tell me about that process? Is it difficult? It was, it was really tough to get the initial certification. You know, it was the paperwork and then they sent it to the, you know, to our inspector and then the inspector didn't get it. And then she sent it back and they didn't get it. And it got lost on somebody's desk. But once we get through the first process, it's been easy since then. Um, our veterinarian did the inspection. And it was interesting when she first came out because she was going through the checklist. 
and she's asking about the animals. She said, well, okay, they graze, they don't browse. And it was like, uh, no, they graze and browse. They're a unique cattle species that does both. So browsing is where they'll eat bushes and trees and all that stuff. And grazing is where they only eat grass. But yeah, so it was an interesting process, but we really support American Grass-Fed. It's, uh, we tell people, the only way that you can be assured that you've got something that's grass-fed and grass-finished is if you see that American Grass-Fed certification. Carol, I, I wanna thank you so much for being a good steward and for doing what I think is probably the most important job in the world, and that's providing nutritious food to sustain us in a way that's gonna sustain this planet. So thank you so much for your time today. You've been great. Um, happy holidays. You're welcome, Michael. You have a good holiday too. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you again next month when we take a deeper look into petted pastures. Until next time.